This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Welcome, everyone, to Big on America, a socio-political podcast where every week we give you the dig on U.S. history, politics, policy, and sometimes pop culture, and discuss how they affect social issues today. DOA is an independent media supported by listeners, but probably also a deep state propaganda arm funded by George Soros, the Clinton Foundation, Jay-Z, and... Hey, what's up, guys? This is Jason Dutch with Dig on America the podcast and we are this week brought to you by oh i don't know uh gremlins uh they sound like they're in for a lot of trouble um so uh this week uh we are talking about uh some public banking so uh recently in congress is all and i'll explain this uh, a public banking option has been making its way through the conversation uh been a lot of backlash out about that um most of which has been uh, combated by Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Um, we have Irish Swede, who is a economics genius on the show with us today. This is actually part two of the show. We talked about uh, some of the outrage at the Olympics um, also in the show. So this has been edited. Uh, so this is the part on the more dig on history where that's kind of more a dig on current events. That's going to be one episode down because it came out a little bit before this one, a little more time relevant. So I uh, hope you guys enjoy the show um, again with Irish Swede. If you want to swallow, if you want to follow, not swallow, if you want to swallow Irish Swede, you can probably do that too. You have to check with him though. And you can check with him by following him uh, on his Twitter, which is Swede underscore Irish on Twitter. Uh, you can also look him up on uh, Facebook at Irish Swede. So if you guys are new listeners to the show, if you jo- enjoy history, if you enjoy politics, if you enjoy learning and uh, combating social issues in this uh, United States in which we live, uh, please consider checking out the show on YouTube. Um, if you're listening on the audio, which you are, because this is only on the audio part, uh, you can find the show uh, at youtube.com forward slash dig on America. If you'd like to support the show, you could do that. We definitely would love your support. We will, once we get to our $100 a month goal, we'll donate one third of that to uh, Winnie Warrior Autism Speaks or the John Ritter uh, Foundation or one of a couple of other charities which we have um, decided are worth, are worthy of those funds. Uh, and you can do that by going to patreon.com forward slash dig on America and signing up for whatever dollar amount you find uh, to be this content to be worth. So with that being said, let's get to uh, the dig on a public banking option. I believe we also have a bonus at the end uh, where Haas will talk about the scar he's smoking. So enjoy that, too. Um, thanks for listening. See you soon. Dig on America. All righty, so let's get into uh, our take it back. Uh, the dig today is going to be on uh, private banking. I think we have a, um, Mikey, I think we have a banner up there already. Perfect. There we go. So the dig on private banks. So I'm going to do this a little bit different today because I don't feel like talking um, all that much. So I am going to, yes. Mikey, Mikey has said he loves timelines. 
Uh, so I'm going to I'm going to bring up a few things. I'm going to ask uh, Sweet a couple questions about a couple things that I notated. Uh, but I do want to go through uh, just a real quick timeline for Mikey because he loves what was it you said about timelines. That's your jam. Timelines are my shiz night. They're your shug night. I can't read. You're wasting your voice. Go ahead. Read your back to you, boy, Phil. So uh, just a little bit of uh, some timeline on banks. This is from the FDIC. Um, Mid-1700s, colonies have no banking systems. In 1782, the Bank of North America, established by the Continental Congress, becomes the first charter bank in the U.S. I'll read the story from Vox and AOC after I get uh, through with this. Um, the 1784, the state of New York charters the Bank of New York. Um, in 1791, the U.S. charters the first bank of the United States, the government's first attempt, attempt at a central bank. Uh, it had a 20-year charter, which, of course, was not removed. They tried that again sometime later, the second bank uh, in 1816, which also had a 20-year charter and was also not removed. Um, by 1819, according to FDIC, there were more than 420 banks existing in the U.S., all of them printing bank notes and making loans. That number dropped a little bit in 1820 to 300 banks. Um and uh, in 1837, with the demise of the Second Bank of the United States, only state charter banks exist. During this period known as the free banking area, state chartering standards often are not very stringent and many new banks are formed. Large numbers of them will fail. The era um, ends with the passage of the Nas National Currency Act of 1863 and followed by the Panic of 1837. Um, Swede, you could probably give us a better uh, characterization on the Panic of 1837. Do you want to take a stab at that? I would have to go back and reread on that. <laughs> oh, I thought you, I, I just figured you'd know off the top of your head. No. Uh, the the mid-1830s witnessed an economic boom characterized by inflation and speculation in public land sales and road and canal projects. The speculation is fueled in part by three policies. Removal of federal funds from the Bank of the United States a distribution of the federal surplus from these banks, state banks, a requirement that gold or silver uh, be used to buy public lands, which leads to failing land sales and, uh, shor and, and shortages on something called specie, S-P-E-C-I-E, which I don't even know what that means. Um, the pressure on many banks increases uh, and a lack of confidence in the state banks abounds. The resulting bank panic in 1837 causes many banks to fail over several years. And that failure is, fo is followed by a sharp depression tied to general downturn in the business cycle that lasts until 1841. Uh, I'm going to skip ahead here to the 1930s. In the uh, Great Depression, um, a worldwide economic downturn hits the U.S. in 1929 and lasts until 1939. It's the longest and most severe depression in the U.S. Um, as the depression eases <laughs> into a national emergency reaching its height between 1932 and 1933, the U.S. government establishes several agencies as a means for discharging new and emergency funds, and the FDIC is one of these agencies. Um, President Roosevelt initiates a legislative agenda known as the New Deal for rescuing uh, the United States from the Great Depression. Um, this is followed by the Harley, the Hawley Smoot Tariff Act of 1930, uh, as well as the RFC, um, the Re the Reconstruction Finance Corporation. Um, you want to take a stab at explaining what that is to the listener, uh, Swede? 
the tariffs were basically a a weapon used against foreign competition to try and retain jobs within the United States. However, what happened was is uh, that the government didn't realize that you know a lot of things are just you don't produce certain things in the United States because other people just can do it better than us, either through because they have natural resources that we haven't yet you know built the infrastructure to exploit or whatnot. And, you know, you have trade networks that fulfill that. Well, other governments are like, screw you, we're going to raise tariffs as well, which puts everybody in a bind. And the United States uh, basically shut down its own economy with tariff wars. Well, fun. that sounds familiar. Chesterfield and, tried that shit. And and now that I now that I, I looked up 1837, um, if you want to know why you should never have a commodity backed currency, 1837 is your answer. And was that gold or silver or both back both. then? Okay. And specie um, is you were asking about the definition of specie. That's just coin. Oh, okay. I, I had I I didn't want to specifically coin, not like paper notes, but coin. gold. Silver coins. Blooms. Give me some coins, damn it. <laughs> coins. He said so, the <laughs> I'm going to read a little bit from an article on Vox. Now, this, this article is actually a little bit before what's going on in Congress now. Um, AOC had a really riveting speech in front of uh, Congress the other day uh, talking about people who are attacking her, rev- her legislation for not really starting a public bank, but for giving the opportunity for a public option to compete with private banks. Um, so I'm going to read a little bit about what the, the, this is, but this is from an article in October. Um, they call it a fairer, greener financial system. Um, I'm just going to read a couple paragraphs from this. The Public Banking Act uh, wouldn't create options by itself, but it would foster the creation of public banks across the country by providing them a pathway to getting started, establishing an infrastructure for liquidity and credit facilities, or, I'm sorry, faculties, Uh, for them via the Federal Reserve and setting up federal guidelines for them to be regulated. Essentially, this legislation would make it easier for public banks to exist and it would give them grant money to get started. The basic idea is to make it possible for state and local governments, uh, local businesses and people to do business with public banks, which theoretically would be more motivated to do public good and invest in their communities than private institutions, which are out for profit. One public bank exists in North Dakota, which is very successful, uh, and there's a growing movement to create more across the country. California recently passed a law allowing cities and counties to create and sponsor public banks. Economic stability, and this is a quote from Rashida Tlaib, economic stability is really truly tied with access to this type of banking. It's to try to create stable neighborhoods and communities. Um, The proposal lands in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic, which has shed light on many inefficiencies in the American system, including banking. For example, the Paycheck Protection Program used the regular banking system as an intermediary, which ultimately meant that bigger businesses and those with pre-existing relationships with banks were prioritized over others. Small businesses missed out, with many owners saying they were denied loans for even a few thousand dollars, and the discrepancy hit Black-owned businesses particularly hard. The intent of the proposal is to guarantee equitable recovery by providing an alternative to Wall Street banks for regular, ordinary people. Um, Haas, you were about to say something? I said, 
the old saying goes, and I forget who said it. He said, if America gets a cold, black Americans get the flu. If uh, America gets the flu, black Americans get pneumonia. You know, or something to that effect. And and when you when you look at when things when economic downturns occur, like when um, the recession in two thousand six seven, you know, etc. Uh, two thousand. Well, I'm sorry, two thousand. Yeah, it started like two thousand six, two thousand seven. You know, unemployment was here, but black unemployment was here, and you know, when someone is, when a white person is, a black person is unemployed for an average of two times longer than a white person is unemployed, even if they have the same educational background, etc. So, like when you said it disproportionately impacted, you know, blacks, that just is another reconfirmation of that theory of when things go wrong in the country or when things are happening or when measures are being brought up, who is it going to hurt worse than first? And usually when you see these things happen, especially negative things that happen within the country, you see that disproportionately, you know, marginalized communities are hurt worst and first by that downturn, like COVID even, which is a function of, you know, a bunch of, a bunch of things that, you know, I think I found who it was. While you look that up, I'm going to ask Swede a couple of questions here. So, um, Sweet. They keep calling Swede. me about my car's extended warranty, and I just want to know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's a telemarketing spam call. I so, um, if I disappeared to a to an island like Amelia Earhart did, that somehow my cell phone would still ring, <laughs> and they would still be calling about my car's extended warranty. Yeah. I think it was Carter G. Woodson. Okay. I think. I think. Carter G. Woodson. Is that a serial killer? Um, oh, you're talking about see. one of the greatest inventors in black history. And here just... we go. Here we go. go ahead. All right. So I have a quote here from Adam Smith, uh, and this is from his book, The Wealth of Nations. Um, it's basically referring to the colonial land banks and the Puritan banks uh, of the 1700s, which were basically um, – private banks. Uh, the, the quote is this, and I'd like to get Sweet's thought on it. The government of Pennsylvania, without amassing any treasure, invented a method of lending what is equivalent to money, because um, you got to remember that was before the U.S. had its own money, uh, to the equivalent of money to its subjects by advancing to private people at interest paper bills of credit. It raised a moderate revenue, which went a considerable way towards defraying the whole ordinary expense of that government. Um, also, greenbacks, uh, you know, are, are another good example of this. Uh, I think uh, right before the Civil War with Abraham Lincoln. So, like, speak to us um, your thoughts on on that quote as it relates to how public banks would help um, with access and with overall ethics of of profits from banking in the united states the 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 problem with the old the, the 1700s is you have to realize that that they were still very racially motivated 
they were also very community motivated in how those enterprises were set up. And they were set up in such a way and very decentralized in such a way where you could look at it and it's just like any weed that enters into a yard that hasn't been planted yet, it's going to thrive. And it's going to do things, and you're going to all of a sudden think, wow, this is great, we should have more of it, until you have a yard full of weeds. Uh, what happens is, is you get the system that eventually sprang out of that, which is large conglomerate banks, which are very motivated to, against uh, immigrant communities, minority communities, uh, and that are very limited as far as their access is concerned to the, these, the, at least these smaller business plans. Let, let me let me stop uh, you right there, real quick. I don't mean to do this, but you just touched on an important point. Ooh, the 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 when you have these conversations with with right wing minded people, what you just said there about how they are um, the way that they handle themselves towards minorities and uh, minority communities and immigrants put something tangible on that with an example, because all they're going to say is that, that that's a myth and that doesn't happen. Well, for a long time, Irish people couldn't bank uh, for a long time. Italians couldn't bank in New York for a long time. Uh, well, uh, just redlining is a, you know, one of the prime examples uh, <laughs> towards the black community. Uh, segregation and, and basically up until the fair, fair housing act, uh, I believe that was the late seventies, you could discriminate, you know, quietly on home loans towards minority groups. Uh, I think even then you, I, I think even then you still could because the, because the enforcement was pretty toothless. Yeah. The, the enforcement until I believe 1978 was a completely toothless. Right. I saw that show them on HBO or Amazon. So you have a situation in which you have these long-standing prejudices of the banking community, and there are long stories of black families having way better credit risk mm -hmm. than a a white couple. The white couple gets the you know, the good rate, the black couple gets the rate that makes them go, well, we can't afford this. So we won't if they borrow. get a rate at all. Yeah. Right. <laughs> well, and, and, you know, between the 19, the 1964 and 1978, they would get a rate, but it would be a rate that would force them to say, no, we can't afford that. So the bank, the bank is basically just giving them a, uh, an F you. Yeah. Uh, that's like, uh, that reminds me of, uh, if you've seen Harlem nights, when uh, Sugar Ray went to bail out the people that got busted in his speakeasy. And the, the guy was like, yeah, just tell him how much it'll cost. He'll go running out of here, <laughs> you know? And it's kind of the same thing, except yeah. he didn't go running out. He said, okay. <laughs> he started taking out bands and paid all of their bail. That was great. I think one of the places where this would make a big difference is in the subprime market, because I used to sell at a subprime car lot in Maywood. Uh, for those of you who don't know where Maywood is, it's it's a suburb of Chicago. That, isn't it adjacent to Chicago? Does it touch Chicago or is it there's no, maybe a town in the Maywood middle? Maywood and then there's Oak Park. Oh, you know, okay. Oak so, Park is, is there. Right. Um, so but it's it's very close to Chicago. Right. Um, and it's 
would you agree it's uh, pretty much a black community, correct? Now, it didn't used yeah. to be. No, no, none of them used to be. That was before white flight. It was a right. white town back in the 40s. 40s, um, 50s, and 60s even. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, just like South Holland and, um, mm-hmm. you know, Bellwood, uh, all those towns were, were white towns where Chicago was where most of the immigrants and the people of color lived. And then it started moving out. And as they started moving out, the white people said, oh, and they sold their house and they moved out. And then the taxes went down and then schools went to crap because there was no funding. And we all know that story. Yep. Um, but the <laughs> so anyway, I worked in Maywood. And something I can tell you for sure is that like a lot of the customers that we had, um, the African-American customers that we had specifically and the Latinos, too. But, but uh, like I said, most of our customers were black um, just based on the demographics. Uh, and as a subprime dealer, a lot of people walked in kind of just assuming that they were going to need help buying a car. Right. And we had um, the pretty diverse sales staff there, half white, I'd say half black. But obviously, we're always trying to maximize the amount of points that we would add to their loan. Right. So let's say we were buying the loan for 6%. We want to sell it for, we could sell it for as much as nine. Um, you know, because you want to add points to that and that helps the back end. But what a lot of uh, there were other banks that would give you more leeway on that and say, oh, you can make up to four points or you, you, know, you can make up to some banks would say two points. But what I found a lot of times is like customers who were local. They wouldn't they would assume that they were going to have that they had bad credit. They'd come in and maybe they were like a 680, which is pretty halfway decent. And probably deserving of like a, you know, if you were going to be competitive about it, you might get a 7% rate with a 680, right? On a used car. Um, I was a used car lot, so I can't speak to the new. Um, you pretty much were able to just add the maximum amount of points every time and then make it look like you were helping them out. But how would a public bank help with these folks to like sort of, or would it even, with spreading the knowledge that, hey, you know, maybe you're not actually in need of subprime help and you can walk into a dealership in Naperville and buy a car the same as you could anywhere else. So the public bank has two main factors. One we already see in the credit union system, but it's not for profit. You take the profit motive out. Now, the credit union still has a quote-unquote profit motive because it wants to keep the lights on and keeps the door open. However, if you're a division of the Fed who can print its own money, you don't need a profit. You can be like the Postal Service and say, why does the Postal Service need to make profit? It is a public service. It is a public good. What is the point of you know, making money off of the postal system itself? Now, we obviously can charge things so that we don't have to fund it all through the tax back-end system, but that would influence how customers are treated for their rates. You're not trying to fee people to death. You're not trying to, you know, put a rate at such a level that you're going to make money on. You can actually give people, say, an actual risk-reward rate on what their credit is, or even give them a break. Now, the, the, the ruling itself makes sure that the same regulations that the private banks are under, the public is under. So the public can't go out 
and do anything wonky that, that, that completely underbids the private sector. If the private sector is demanding of whatever, you know, whoever comes in to borrow that, you know, 5% is what this car loan needs to be, that's what, that's what you're going to get through a Fed account. However, you're not going to get <laughs> the games that the subprime side gives. Would you, would you say that that's also like, um, would you make an exception for like GM financing GM cars at like 0%? Because I can't, that, that would still be a thing, right? That would still be a thing. Uh, and new cars could still would new car. I mean, that's, that's for new cars. And so you would, you would be able to go to the fed account and be like, GM is 0%. So are they. So you can just do it through the fed rather than through GM. So the fed would match, have to match the 0% rate from GM. Either they would have to, or how would they do that? Quarter point. Okay, how would they? I, I'm curious. How would they do that? Because they're not like usually with the car dealership with the, with the dealer based financing. You're taking the financing in lieu of, say, a rebate. Generally speaking, not always, but like you're saying, oh, I can get three thousand dollars off the car or zero point nine percent financing. So what would so would the Fed get that rebate? How would that work? Or, or or the Fed, you get the rebate and you get the loan out of the Fed. And you just say, fuck the profit motive to all to hell and back. And you get people get a better deal. And the and the nice thing is, is it doesn't matter how much you make or what your name is or what color you are, that that deal is open to everyone. Not because you have a relationship at a bank or anything like that. Okay. This, this, to... is, this is what it would look like if you remove, truly remove the profit motive. Mm, okay. I, I'm trying to, I'm trying to wrap my head around that. Like, because like, I, I think that public banking would be a really good thing though. I'm, I'm struggling with that part of what you said, because to me, it's like Nissan finance, for example, they don't take on any loans outside of Nissan cars. So to me, they sort of kind of, have a right to finance their own item. Uh, it seems logical to me, at least that they can finance their own item at a lower rate than an outside source, regardless of that's, if that's public or private. How is, how is the Nissan dealership going to know when you walk in and write a check where the money came from? Well, you have to allocate the financing through a Nissan. You can't just go to Nissan finance yourself. It has to be done through the authorized dealership. Okay, but you if I go to the, pub, the public bank and go, I'm going to go over here and buy a new Altima, it's $26,000 so the rebate down to 23. Right. And I get a loan for 23. Here you go. Walk over. Sure. And, 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 they, and the public bank will be like, we're going to make the check out to the Nissan dealership so you right. can't just fuck off with it. Right. Okay. There you go. And, but are and, they going to match that rate that Nissan has, though, too? See, that's the part where I think we're at a disconnect. Sure, why not? Well, how? What do you mean, how? You, the, the, public, the public option can charge whatever they want. They're under no obligation to charge anything on anything. They're, they don't have a profit motive. They don't have a spread to beat. The mm-hmm. Fed 
is the bank. <laughs> right. But you have to have a rate, right? Otherwise, you just have a zero percent rate on everything, and that's not the way that. Well, so, like, okay. let me. But but if but if the world is charging one point nine, the Fed couldn't undercut. What we're, you and I are talking in a world where everything's zero percent, which is kind of the world we're we're living in today. But let's say you know the Fed raises overnight rate to one percent here coming up. And every and new cars cost you two point nine percent financing, and that's kind of the general across the board. The, the federal bank, the way the law is written, can't just walk in and undercut. They have to be quote unquote competitive. Okay, I th- that clears it a little bit. I, I let, let me let, let me let, read let, me you, give, um, let me give you a better example of of yeah, what, how this works with a different area of it. So the OCC walks into a private bank and says, you can only give 50% loan to value on farmland. So the, the, the officer, the the comptroller of the currency is telling you, telling a private bank, you can only go up to 50% loan to value on farmland. The public bank can only go up to 50% on farmland too. That they're under the same umbrella of regulation that way. So if, if mm-hmm. whatever's being charged out, is, like, is like o- the, the public option can't be OCC, like, oh, we'll, we'll lend you up to 75%. Is, is, is OCC like the comptroller's office or something like that? I'm the not- comptroller of the currency. Okay. I, just, I wasn't familiar with that app. They're, they're the, yeah, they're the ones that basically tell banks what they can and can't do. All right. Um, I'm going to read to you. Uh, these are some statements from public banking uh, from Richard Wolf, who I think is like your uncle. Um, he says, uh, public banks are a public service. Mm -hmm. They hold private banks to a standard, uh, not beholden to stockholders. Profit goes, uh, to, I'm sorry, profit goes to, uh, instead of going to stockholders, it can go, for example, using the bank of North Dakota as an example, uh, the income from the, from the loans and everything go into lowering taxes within that community. Um, They can make loans for what society needs, like affordable housing and schooling versus million dollar homes and and stuff like that. Um, Would you more or less agree with all of those points? And is there anything that's left out on that? All of that's true. And like one thing that we're facing right now in the the housing market, which is absolutely insane, like where I live, houses are on the market for four hours. Not, yeah. you know, it's just crazy. It's it's probably the same in a lot of areas around around the country. But that's the only thing that's coming up for sale is between two hundred and fifty and five hundred thousand dollars. No one who just graduated, well, almost no one who just graduated from college or is buying their first home can walk into a two hundred and fifty thousand dollar mortgage. Unless they are, unless unless you're already genius. (laughs) There it is. Here's to you, Miss. I got lucky day lotto on my side. Here's to you, Mister. I walked out of college with a job at Trump Corporation. Yeah, well, exactly. And or they're 35 years old and have been saving for the last, you know, 13 years you know, for their down payment. And they finally got that 50 grand saved up so they can get that 20% down payment. 
what you're going to do is you're going to make financing attractive enough for home builders to to no longer need to build 2,400 square foot, $350,000 homes that only second and third time home buyers who are upgrading from previous homes to get into. Right now, we have gone from a median new home square footage of 1,600 square feet 40 years ago to 2,400 square feet today. And the reason that is, is because there's zero margin, even with borrowing costs where they are, on the 1,600 square foot house. If you put out investment you know, through public banks in that particular area, you're going to be able to build a house that way, or at least condos or, or you know, higher medium dense, higher medium, medium to higher density housing, where people are either going to be able to have some ownership stake in it, or, you know, some, some level of communal living where you're actually going to have a sense of ownership and be able to use that ownership to maybe then go buy a house beyond that. Uh, it's it's going to be able to do a lot more for people that the traditional bank is going to overlook because you can't make any money on that person. And they're, you're they're also extracting. going to have people, like right now the biggest thing that people get nickel and dime to death is with the, the $15 overdraft or the, the $20, you yeah. don't, oh, you don't yeah. have enough money. So what we're going to do is we're going to take more money out of your account. So you have even less money and then we can charge you again next month when you don't have enough money for us to, I, I think bank of America made like $50 billion on that yeah. during COVID. Yeah. And like 18 ATM fees too. ATM fees and everything else that, that goes on in this private banking sector that really, that is the cost of doing business to the rich that, or, or doesn't even affect the rich. I mean, if you have a 25,000 in the bank, you don't have any fees. Right. I mean, typically. Yeah, that's, that's disproportionate. Absolutely. And I think it's because they're, you know, a word for that. It's called a regressive. Yes. Right. There, and, and these banks, I think the, the biggest idea to me is two things. You don't need billionaire CEOs. Right, who make seven hundred seven thousand times as much as a teller, and they're reinv- the idea at least is is that the public bank would reinvest in the community rather than extract from the community, maybe for a better lack of a better term. Is that a fair characterization? The the CEOs will be the board of governors, the, who are already wealthy beyond you or you or I that will ever do, but they're in a public servant role. I'm very rich. How dare you say that right now? How dare you say that on the air that I am not rich when everyone knows I am a character doesn't mean rich. Just because you are a character, my dear, doesn't mean you have character. Right. Winston Wolf. Um, But essentially, when the Fed becomes when the Board of Governors becomes the CEO, you no longer have this person that you have to give $300 million to, to, you know, entice them to stay so that they can tell you how to generate fees more on consolidation loans. Why why do, why do public, why do private banks like Wells Fargo specifically, why do they, this is something that's never made sense to me. 
why do they push so hard for people to have more account? Like I have two bank accounts, savings and, um, and checking. Right. And the idea is pretty logical. I, we wants to save, <laughs> right. Um, for the vacation, everything. Melissa and I have a joint account. We both have our individual checking accounts. So, but like there was this, there, I've seen documentaries on like Wells Fargo and, and, and Citibank, which by the way, has evolved from the very first um, central bank of the United States. Uh, that's Citibank today. Um, but like, why is, why, why does Wells Fargo, like I've seen these documentaries where they're getting people like the bank employees are calling their, I have to sign up 14 accounts today, you know, so they're getting their family members have three, four accounts. But if you're just like the way that it works to me is like, that I understand is like the amount of money that you have in the bank allows the bank to, you know, times that by a multiplier and give that much out in loans. They have to keep so much in there. But if you have 14 accounts that have a hundred dollars or one account with $1,400, what's the advantage? Why do they push for these additional accounts? Well, there's two possible answers to that. One is minimum minimum account fees. And I have a guess. Uh, the other What's is, your guess, Mikey? is perverse incentives to open up accounts so that you have fourteen fourteen hundred dollar accounts to find new customers. And the also, only problem is is the incentive is to open accounts, not actually AUM assets under management. Mm-hmm. And I was going to guess that perhaps it is if they spread their little bit of peon money throughout all these other accounts, there's a greater risk of them overdrafting one of those yeah, accounts. Yeah, there is. There's that. And then there's the low money ah. account balance fees. Yeah. So so if you only keep $50 in that account, then you spend that $50 and then you try to do it again and now you overdraft the account. Bing, gotcha, bitch. Hey, Mikey. Oh, or you don't have your minimum. Hey, Mikey. I've got something for you. An overdraft there, fee. There, there is a, there is a bank that I will no longer ever bank with as long PCF. as I live, because I literally had to go in PCF. and talk to the manager at least three or four times because they kept overdrafting my account with like, I mean, not a lot of money, but like one hundred and fifty dollars or something like that. Like, I know there's money in this account, but I also see that I have an overdraft on here. Can you explain that to me? Oh, it looks like there's right. a clerical error, sir. I'm so sorry. I'm like, all right, bro. That's one. Mm-hmm. And the shit just kept happening. I'm like, give me my money now. Now. Now, 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 now. And now I'm like, so I'm like, so what happens if I don't come in and, and, and argue with oh, you every time? There. So if I don't come in So if I don't come in here and argue with you, then I don't get it. And then you just it's keep like them insurance learning. companies, right? When they don't cover your medical bill and they just hope you're going to pay it. Yeah. And now oh, it was a covered them. expense. It was a covered expense, but we clerical error. We we're not going to cover your wellness. It didn't, visit. Get, it didn't get coded correctly. Didn't get coded yeah. correctly. Oh, someone That's, we had a new, guy, new the new guy Jeremy was it was probably handling your account. Like handling what? Why is he handling my account? Lead a shit there. It's $150 in there. Leave it alone. Why do I have to come in here and argue about $35 every time for no damn re- You know what? <laughs> Take that shit out right now. Give me that $150. Yeah. I'll go down the street. You you good. Cash me out. Just All cash right, so, me out. So as we close off on this, because um, we'll get to the humidor, what I'd like to do is this. Um, I've said enough. Uh, let's. Let, I, I do want to say one thing at the end, but 
Haas, your final thoughts, Mikey, and then we'll close with Swede. Well, I mean, banking is as banking does. And I, I just, I wish I knew as much as Sweet so that I could, you know, navigate the that whole swamp better. But, um, you know, I mean, there's, there's, uh, <laughs> there's so much there that, you know, we got to, you got you. This is why we have to teach financial literacy. This is why we have to teach uh, credit. This is why we have to teach all of these things to our kids. And it's not taught in school. They don't teach financial literacy in school. They'll teach you accounting, but it's not necessarily financial literacy. They don't teach you about how the banking system works and how they nickel and dime you and, and how points work on an auto loan and how to tell the, the, the dealership to fuck off with your points you know, and things like that. So it's all about education. And, you know, unfortunately, when you're when you're a group of people in survival mode, you don't have time to teach that stuff. Because Haas, why is one of your what, why is one of your arms three times the size of the other? I'm kind of sitting on an angle right now. I, I thought I tried a new angle. <laughs> you know what's all right? You know what? I call this uh, blue steel right here. This is this is magnum right here. This is magnum, and this right here is blue steel. That's pi. So. <laughs> blue steel, man. That that'll stop an. Uh, uh, oh, what are those things called? A locomotive. No, the throwing the throwing stars. A shuriken. Yeah, shuriken. <laughs> Mikey. So those are my thoughts on it. Is, is you know all the stuff we 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 talked about today. It's all about education. We got to educate ourselves, and we got to educate posterity. You know. Um. Tell us why you want private banks, Michelangelo. Sweet, I have a thing that I say on this show quite often, and I'm going to get it on a T-shirt here soon. Let's tax the church. Fuck you, can Dutch. We, now can we tax the church, sweet? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I'm totally gonna make that shirt. All right, I'm he's totally gone. Let's talk about him. Yeah, I got a guy. I got a guy. I'm, I'm totally gonna make that shirt for you. I, I, in fact, I'll get it up there by tomorrow. Hundred percent. In our merch store, you definitely gotta have the uh, the Mikey edition. I'm not giving it? it away though. It's the Mikey shirt. If you guys want it, you gotta buy it at full fucking price now. Go and ahead. it's just got me to. Now can I tax the church? Just a shrug. Um, it would I know we're talking about like bank, 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 but taxation you know somewhat about. How beneficial do you think taxing the church would be for uh, the average American? Depends on how you view taxation. Taxation under modern monetary theory is not a system of revenue to pay for government programs. Taxation is a way to control money supply and velocity. So essentially, the answer would be very little uh, if viewed in that sense. If viewed through where that money would be taken from and go to in a way that is spent and then how that is spent, you would probably see a tripling to quadrupling the amount of effectiveness of each dollar spent towards actually helping the less fortunate. 
Thank you. Churches, churches per dollar. I mean, only like 10 cents actually makes it to the needy five to 10 cents. Mm -hmm. The rest goes to building salaries, you know, the new organ, uh, things like that. And churches have a very, have a historically terrible reputation when it comes to actually spending money on the community itself. They do the bare minimum. Mm -hmm. I, I think it's generally, I think it's fair to say most churches, there are some that are not that way, but I think I'd agree with the characterization that it is by far the overwhelming majority. Thank um, you. Thank you, your honor. No further, no further questions. <laughs> All right, Swede, your, your closing <laughs> argument on um, private, on private, op, a public option. The, the public option should be available for for a lot of things, health insurance being one. You know, if we're not going to go Medicare for all, we should at least have a public option. But banking is another one because banking has historically, and, and I get why minorities distrust the banking system. It's the same reason that they distrust some of the medical system because they've been experimented Fuck. on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they've been treated as guinea pigs. They've been treated as, I'm just going to say it, subhuman. They've been treated as, you know, property in, in so many different ways, in so many different facets of their life, and in so many different sectors. And banking is no different. Banking has been a way for the white supremacist community to hold down the black community, the Native American community, the Hispanic community, uh, for centuries and, and you know at least the last few decades it has gotten somewhat better but somewhat better isn't good enough and the public option gives us a place that we can go where at least we can as we the people can have a direct influence on how it's managed through you know elected officials through the democratic process that we can have it's not the it's not perfect, but God damn it, we can't let perfect be the enemy of good enough. Uh, perfect and, is the enemy of done, or, or at least progress and and saying okay, you know it's not perfect, but we can tweak it. Or, you know what I mean? Exactly. And if 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 we can't get this done, I don't know what we can actually get done. The reconciliation bill needs to get passed. Uh, Schumer has come out and said that, you know, it's the goal of the Senate to get both at least on the table before the August recess. If he can do that, Biden's presidency from here on out can go on cruise control and it's a success. Mm -hmm. Period, exclamation point. Um, Won't Trump just reverse it all the first day in office? <laughs> Shut yeah. up. Yeah. August, yeah, August 17th. Man. Like August in two 17th. weeks. Yeah. yeah. So, so it'll go through the funny, 16th. But you give me a fucking horror story like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, the bill will pass on the 16th. Trump, remember, ticks back over on the 17th. So oh, yeah. yeah. We're going to end the bill. It's not going through. Is Fuck around with me. There's going to be consequences and repercussions. All right. So. Uh, here's why I support this more so than anything else. Um, and there's a reason why I want to go last because it helps, uh, because it helps, it, it helps small businesses who you guys all know that I am a fan of. Um, 
You're a stand. And, particular, and particularly minority-owned small businesses and women-owned small businesses. Because you won't get these sweetheart deals that your giants like Walmart and Amazon and IBM and Google get, right, from these from lenders. Um, so I also will say this. I've been spending the last four, three to four weeks doing nothing but researching and doing and listening to debates and reading policy on minimum wage. Nothing but hours and hours and hours of listening to dissenting opinions on this. And I have decided Mikey was right. I do not at all support a $15 minimum wage. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I, I have decided that I am going to change my position on this to a, to, to, to a degree. Okay. All right. I still, I still am unconvinced that a 16 year old deserves the same pay as a 25 year old. With that being said, I, I also believe that $15 should be $18 based on the research that I've looked at. Um, why do I say that number? Because that's basically $36,000 a year. And that's uh, a far enough above the poverty line, especially in a two income house where you're at $70,000, right? $72,000 uh, with two people in the house if they're both making that um, for, for a two income house, right? Um, so, I actually am going to advocate for an $18 an hour minimum wage, not to try to be better, but all the research that I've looked at says that that's always upstate closer. Yeah, there it is. Well, classic Dutch. I've seen, I've seen arguments that say $26, $27 an hour because correct me if I'm wrong, Swede, but if that's where it would be, if it had kept with inflation, is that not correct? No, it's uh, if, if 1968 to today, if it had kept pace with productivity, which is far and above inflation, Right. Uh, it would be $21 and 17 cents. 21. Okay. I, th- I thought it was 26. Where did I get the 26 from? Cause I'm pretty sure that was a real number. Was that the, some people have given out productivity numbers that would throw it up into the 26 range, but those are highly disputed. Okay. Um, th- those are kind of singular outliers of people. And then there's probably only one or two of those out there. Most people are in the 21 to say $24 range. Twenty-one sixteen is like the one that everybody goes. Yeah, at least I can see that one. Yeah. Okay, so I was wrong. Hey, there hey, you go, hey, Mikey. That's, that's go real big. And, and the okay. reason that's real big of you. That's real big. Yeah, yeah, that again. Okay, say that one more time. <laughs> yeah. Hold on. Are you ready? Oh, oh, let me, wait, wait, wait. Oh, let, me get, let me get. Let me get. Let me get your hold on. Get my good ear over here. You're gonna love my nuts. <laughs> I was wrong. Wow. <laughs> hey, 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 no, no, we're gloating, but but still, Obi came back, he did some research, and he changed now, his mind on air. So now, let me say here. this though. Let me say oh, this though. Shout oh, out so I push it up. He's about to fuck it up. I, but let me no, let me say this though. I, I do it. No, I because I do so I would challenge we need, we need you. Pop, we need I'm gonna pop. challenge you guys. Try to try because I still hold on to my thought that. Um, see, see, and here's why part of the reason why I made this decision, because I care about people, right? And like, I look at all of the places that businesses, small businesses are at disadvantages compared to larger businesses. And nobody disputes that those things are real, right? Like you have to pay per, per square foot, small businesses pay more for their electric bill and all their utilities than large businesses do. 
mm-hmm. uh, almost across the board. Obviously, geographically, it might be different. Like somebody in LA is going to pay higher than uh, Oklahoma or something like that. But the um, but the so that was where it was based at. But what it sh- but that but human beings should not be the last thing that we raise the price on. They should be the first thing that we raise the price on. If that makes sense as a, we're talking about like human capital commodities, that sort of thing, right? Like I would, I would rather see the person make more first before the uh, landlord uh, or the electric company or, you know, the tax, the taxes and that sort of stuff go up. I still think that we need to come up with something with, to find a way to have smaller businesses get some sort of tax break and maybe find a way to help them with things like utilities and overhead costs and stuff like that and give, maybe come up with programs to help them hire, maybe subsidize them for hiring extra labor, something of that nature that we're not doing for IBM or for Amazon, right? So just throwing that out there, because if you don't do it, you're a monster, but um, just throwing that out there because it doesn't make me not care about the small business and like the, the guy's got 13, 14 employees, but I do agree that we should probably be 15, 18 or, or more dollars an hour as a starting rate for, you know, 18 years or older people who are, who are in the workforce. So, there it is. um, well, I told you that I still don't think that, a, I don't, and I'm not sure that a 15 year old, that part of the argument is not over yet. And I don't think, I think it's a completely different argument, right? So, um, we're going off fat. <laughs> no, but you, 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 you was almost there. Almost you, under, there. you, you, under, so you understand. You understand where I'm coming from now, though, right? Like so. Um, but with that being said, uh, Mikey, I believe you have music that you need to play. Welcome to the Humidor with Big Haas. Find out what Haas is puffing and drinking tonight. If you try his suggestion and you die. That is natural selection. And the DOA podcast is not responsible for you being weak fucking sauce. So now, the one, the only, Big Haas. I was vibing out. What are you drinking, Spookin'? Well, uh-oh, I see a tragedy over there. What happened? <laughs> oh, you you fucked it up. You remember when I told you at the beginning of the show, I was like, oh, man, this is looking bad <laughs> from the cut. Look at this shit. <laughs> Look at that. You see that? Yo, shit is unraveling, son. Look, look at that. It's flaking, son. Dude. Oh, you cut the shit out of it. Damn. I didn't, it wasn't the cut. Oh, the cigar came up. It's right. just, it's not a good cigar, man. Damn. It's not a good cigar. What's the over-under, Dutch, on this being the lowest rated cigar? Look at that. I mean, Ooh. I'm still going to smoke it. All right, what you smoking though? Tell us all about it. 
This is the Selecto Maduro by Village Villager Cigars. It's a Man, All right, that's it, the end of the humidor for the day. <laughs> it's a Churchill. Well, it was a Churchill. It's about as decomposed as the real Churchill. And look at that. Look at, I mean, look at this. This is a mess. It's the rapper's Mexican San Andres. That's like the, the rapper's snow or positive K. The fuller and the filler and binder are from Dutch. God damn it. I am not berating my country by saying it for this cigar fuck you just it's from a country that starts with ed i'm not saying it i'm not doing it for that cigar like (laughs) yo that shit is abominable (laughs) like it's the principalities that's keeping me smoking this cigar I mean, but you know something. <laughs> He's trying to push it back together. <laughs> I'm just, I'm like, I'm trying to hold it together and shit. Throw some honey on that bitch. Oh, dude, put some maple syrup on. I it. mean, I'll okay, it. so it's a church. It was a Churchill. No, actually, it was a, it was a uh, Corona. It was long. It was, it was about six inch long and about fifty two. But um, as you can see. It's falling apart. I did a V cut on it, and the the cap. I mean, it literally the cap popped off. <laughs> I mean, I've never. I, man, you got a Clint Eastwood over there, dude. This is a this is a any which way you can or uh, for two leaves. It's the fistful leaves. of dollars or a few few dollars more. A two leaves more, a fistful of leaves. That's what oh, that shit is. <laughs> I mean, what. Well, before it really started going real bad, it was it was just passable. I mean, it's not a great cigar. It's not a great cigar. And I've been really lucky. And, you know. What's the name of this bad cigar again? Selecto Maduro by uh, Villager. All right. So avoid that one. Is there any redeeming quality? It's a to pretty it? good. It's a, I mean. He's, I mean, no, no. All right, so it's a bad marriage. Let me guide you through this. I'm just gonna say, process. I'm gonna say, you know, it's mm. my hope that not all the cigars from this Vitola and this blend do this. But I, you know, does it taste good? No, it's all right. Oh. <laughs> okay, <laughs> it's all right. But it's got some. It's got some earth. It's got a little not, bit of sweetness. Don't give it. But don't give it a platform, man. It's that bad. It's it's a it's a one and a half two leaf cigar. Well, oh, I'm shit. I'm happy. I'm happy that this because we we we've been on the show on the road on the road on the air for three <laughs> and a half four years now. Yeah. Right. Almost four years. It'll be four years in October. And this is like the second or third bad cigar you've had. So it's refreshing. Yeah. It's, it's oh for, it's refreshing for you because you ain't smoking yeah. a shit ass cigar. <laughs> Uh, I think we I think we have a question. We have a question though. Yes. Number one. Um this is I have no notes on this. This is new for me. Um I'm 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 wondering, would you say that the the construction of the cigar is uh, based on the leaf? Um or maybe it's uh based on the 
craftsmanship of the company. Well, it's the same thing. I, I, I think that there are times where there's a bad batch. You know, oh, that's a great ooh, show. Star Wars show. That's yeah. a great show yeah. on Disney Plus. But sometimes there's a there's a bad batch of cigars, and you know maybe one of the rollers have just broke up with their their partner, and you know or something like that, or something happened. In God the, damn it, Vanessa! You've ruined another cigar. <laughs> or something happened in the aging process where these cigars were stored and. The humidity got off or sounds like a conspiracy. Something happened. You know. So like um you know, I'm I would I would try this cigar again because I've had bad cigars or cigars that weren't the greatest. And then I had another one and it was fine. And this is more of a construction thing and an overall flavor. I mean, it's supposed to be a medium full, it's got some earth, it's got some spice. There's a hint of sweetness when I, I paired it with uh, the Balvini Caribbean cask uh, Scotch whiskey that's aged in rum, finished in rum, bar- rum barrels, rum casks. Uh, uh, perhaps you should pair it with a hefty trash bag. I, I'm about to pair it with right <laughs> into the trash. I'm not smoking. I might, I might have to stay up and smoke another cigar just to get this bad take just to get this one out of my mouth. What, what's your, what's your leaf rating on it? You said one to two. I want an exact. I'll give it 1.75. All right. 1.75. Yeah. And, I, and I, I know I'll do it without prejudice. That means I guess I could try, I could try this cigar again. If I did it with prejudice, it means I think, I think that in legal terms, that means you can't try it again. You know what I mean? This is my first time ever having that. I've had other cigars from this cigar brand, Villager, that were pretty good and surprisingly good. And I was that was my hope was to be able to come on and say, hey, here's another great uh, cigar for people on a budget. You know, if you're looking for a good everyday smoke or if you're smoking on a budget, here's one you can have because they can get a five pack for like twenty dollars. You know, what I mean, seems like you're getting what you paid for. So you're better off. You're better off smoking the twenty dollar bill. Yeah, I should. I was gonna smoke. I was gonna smoke a different cigar, but I was like, man, this cigar is so special. It was so hard for me to find that I bought two, and I even told my wife how much they cost, and I said, but they're they're this good, and I and I'm not I'm not gonna do it. I can't I can't smoke that. Maybe maybe a Christmas episode or something. Well, well, maybe tell us about the uh, the drink pairing if it's the only redeeming. Well, the, the, the drink pairing that when I when I had the, when I had it, took a sip of the Balvini, a um, little bit of sweetness came out and everything, but the aesthetic of the cigar was so off-putting that um, it just it detracts from everything. It, it's hard to enjoy the profile of a cigar when it's when the aesthetic of the cigar is so bad. So you just find yourself looking at that, and you can't even really. Concentrate on 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 pulling the. I'm nuances. smoking the same cigar. It's much more delicious for oh, me than it is for what you. The, what the hell is happening? <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> see, he got to still. He see Dutch man. You always appropriating man. <laughs> <laughs> I can't have nothing. Damn, black folks can't have shit. Scrooge McDuck <laughs> is not black. That shit just went over his head, Mikey. Yeah. Yep. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Smash into had, the wall I had, behind. I him. had this one pulled up 
<laughs> the whole show, and I totally forgot because it's a, mo- a banking show, right? And there's cigars, so perfect mm. photo. Uh huh. Well, so I'm, I'm not Irish Swede. This is a rare, a rare, uh, low ranking. Bum, 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 if bum. I if I come across another one, I'll uh, no, I'll but buy I'm Scottish and see what's up with it. You know, maybe maybe it was something. Maybe I'll do a punch instead of a V cut. And if that helps the cap, maybe that'll help everything else. <laughs> yeah, do a punch because if not, the entire cigar will fall apart into pieces. Yeah. And you know, the bad thing is, the bad thing is I had a uh, a cigar earlier today that I hadn't smoked ever. And I was like, this is a real good cigar. <laughs> and I, I, I wish I had reversed it. I wish I had, had because I, I picked this cigar up first earlier today. And I was like, I'll probably smoke this one. And then I said, no, I want to try this one. And I smoked that one earlier, and I wish that I had. <laughs> what do they call this? Well, if this was an STD, what would you call it? Leprosy. i call it grayscale. <laughs> you got the fucking stone skin from fucking uh, Game of Thrones. Yeah, I'm not even, I'm not even, I'm not even going to, uh, I'm not even going to save the band on this one right now. Wait a minute. What's, what is Utah saying? So Utah. So so let, I, I was just about to say Utah. The hairs you're splitting right now. Okay. So I he I I said Scrooge McDuck is not black. He said, "Well, why not? Nothing says he's white." And I'm like, "But he's Scottish." So he says, "Black Scottish people are a racial or ethnic group of Scottish who identify as and are perceived to be black people. Utah, that may be true, but if you really think that the Disney creators created him off of a black Swedish person in the 1960s, then how, how good you, for you. Because you there's no way. How are you there's perceived no to be way. black? How are you perceived to be black? I don't understand that. I just uh, And are perceived you, to be black to people? You're talking about his comment, not mine, right? Okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm saying, how are you... Per, how, I, I don't, hey, hey... Uh, Hey Dutch, you took yeah. the bait. Oh, yeah. I I know that he's fucking around, but I'm like, <laughs> got your ass. But then he kept going down the rabbit hole, down and down and down. No, and down. no, you swallowed so, that hook, homie. You swallowed well, that no, hook. I don't, I'm, Pause. I'm, don't make me play the victim here. I'm gonna play the victim. Okay. Hey, as uh, long as you don't slowly put your microphone down and pass out like that Karen did in the store. Oh my God, the Karen videos, <laughs> the, the Karen videos lately have been. Unreal. <laughs> I think Karen, I think I think we should have a Karen episode. The dig on dig on let's America, do the that. dig on Karens, and I think we should have X on. Okay, so let's let's do a Karen. I I I'll need some time to cut up like twenty. You have like twenty videos ready to go, but I we can, can literally do Karen stories. Yeah, yeah, that we, we totally. Have have you guys seen that one? I had one where I I brought in the I actually got the sound clip for it. I haven't put it on this. I don't think I put it on the soundboard yet. Where the guy goes, he walks up to the the black guy in the Walmart, and he goes, "You want to see my back kick?" Oh jeez. Have you seen that one? No. You got oh my god, that one is fucking hilarious, dude. The guy like he's like it's like total Cobra guy. He's just walking like he's trying. He's doing his kicks and stuff and like. I hate that they think black people beat up white people. Come on, leave me. you want to see my back kick? And I'm, the guy's like, I'm just here to buy a Minecraft or something like that. Like, <laughs> go away from me. But, um, oh, I know what you're yeah, talking we'll, about now. 
yeah we'll do a fucking karen episode so uh all right swede before we leave um and then when we get done i gotta go over something with the guys here but uh swede before we go you want to play prank one marry one snap one or do you want to play four down territory which one he wants to do with you uh you get to choose. door number two all right um four down territory so hut, hut, hut. oh my god nebraska <laughs> Omaha. Omaha. I will I will start it out. Irish Swede, your favorite um your favorite flavor of ice cream. Oh, without a doubt, cookie dough. Well played. Okay, that's a good well answer. Played. Well played. Well. Cookie dough is out. What's your second favorite? Uh Butterfinger. And my favorite is to actually have them mixed together. He's a mad scientist. Yeah. <laughs> You're a diabolical genius. Yeah. All right, big Jesus and, fucking and, Christ. And, that's Jason born. And, and the Sonic app allows me to do that. It's By the way, Big House, remember, closed-ended questions. I got you. Okay. <laughs> hey, like my man said in the in uh Ferris Bueller's Day Off, relax. <laughs> I'm a professional. Relax, <laughs> relax. So the blending is a great segue to my question. Swede, you are now a Mormon. Who are your three sisters? <laughs> my three wives? You got mm-hmm. your wife. We you got your number one. You got your primary. But who are your three the three you sister got, wives. You got your, your you got your Bathsheba. <laughs> right. Sue Bird. Okay. 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 W the WNBA player. Yeah. Right. Okay. Um and I'm gonna go. No, no, you got you got three. You got three. You got three. Yeah, you're living the good life. OG <laughs> wife and then other two three wives. Oh, I Cara Delavanane. Who? Cara Delavanane. Who was that? Oh, I see here. She uh, was in uh, Valerian in the City of a Thousand Planets. Oh, okay. 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 Oh, okay. That's two. You got one more. Anna Kendrick. Anna Kendrick. Oh, Anna Kendrick. She's a good singer. She's got some. She's got some sex appeal. You know who I find oddly alluring <laughs> is the AT and T girl. Oh, I Mila, love the AT and T girl. Mila, I love her. Mila, yeah, Mila trap. Yeah, mm-hmm. something like that. Mm-hmm. She's she, awesome. if, you want, if, if you want an amazing story about a, the escape from the USSR, hers her family's is looking. Uh, careful, yeah. careful! It'll get picked up by right wing outlets as a anti <laughs> anti public banking uh, story. Yeah. I just hate that AT and T is is constantly trying to wash her curves out and not. No, oh no, my god! No, no, she's doing she's that curvy. herself. Oh, she's, okay. the, she's the director and the writer for all the commercials. She got tired of all the comments and said, fine, I will, I will not let you see my body anymore. She takes pictures on I follow her on um, Twitter. <laughs> and like she, she takes picture, selfies of herself. That girl has a figure for yeah. years. Yeah. But in the AT&T commercials, she looks very, very, you're right. She looks very, very like. She's you know, always like, behind the table now. She's always behind yeah. the table. Yep. And, and when everything. she walks away from the table, they slow it down. So you yeah. never get to see her exit the table. And I'm so, fine yeah. with that. Like, that's why I said she's oddly alluring. Because even in the commercials, she's a cutie pie. 
right? But yeah. then you see the other pictures, and you're like, holy cow. If you look at it, it, she's the one who directs and writes all the commercials herself. And oh, wow. So, That's yeah. cool. And she got tired of the uh, the um, toxic masculinity, I, I would say, uh, of comments. Yeah. Were directed uh, at her and her body. And so she was like, well, fine, you can't see it anymore. See, this is what I'm saying. If you can't be a mature man and do like my dude did in Hall Pass and go, ching, 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 and shut the fuck up, <laughs> you'd be fucking it up for everybody. What are you doing? You know? Taking pictures. Taking pictures. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's the first movie that Melissa and I ever went to go see together. Yeah. We started laughing at that moment the same way. And at the same time, that, was, that's the, that movie is fucking fantastic. That movie is hilarious, dude. My man, um, I want to change. change no, I got to change my answer from Anna Kendrick to Anna Taylor Joy. Who the hell is Anna Taylor Joy? She's the one that played Beth Harmon on um, Queen, uh, the Queen's Gambit. All right, so she's your, uh, she's your sixth man on the bench or fourth yep. man on the bench. Okay. All right, Mikey, question. I'm not looking up pictures. Um, AT and T girl swimsuit. <laughs> okay, I see you in a Taylor Joy. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> we do not condone the objectifying of AT and T employees on this show. Nah, I'm not looking. Look, I already, he's, he's objectifying a totally different woman right now. Yeah, keep it straight. I mean, I'm not doing that. Um. Sweet, I know you are a fan of the fantasy realms, whether it be D and D or 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 Lord of the Rings or Game of Thrones. But if you had to live in one of those imaginary places, where would you live? Kaladin. Where the fuck is Kaladin? I gotta look that up. <laughs> Dude, uh, is that from Vikings? Oh, Dude. I I started Dude, watching okay. that. I started watching that and I immediately fell asleep because Dune, Frank were, Herbert's Dune. There were ways to- is the uh, is the Atreides planet and it is warm. It's lush. It's a, basically a complete temperate planet all over the entire planet, and it's a paradise. Is, this, is there a guy named Kaladin? No. Then what what does it keep giving? Me? How do you spell it? Kaladin, K or C A L A D A N, Kaladin. All right, who's got number four? I have one, unless someone else does. Go ahead, Go ahead All right. man. All right, um, I'll make it simple: Star Wars or Star Trek, and a quick sentence as to why. Uh, Star Wars, because it's actually realistic how a uh, a multi-system uh, empire would actually have to streamline its resource usage and communications. Huh. I thought you'd say the socialist messages of Star Trek, but there shows I know nothing. The if if you get into the the underlying like the, the novelizations, uh you get into some of the resource problems that the Empire runs into, especially its um distribution networks and how Thrawn deals with it in some areas. And He's coming so, back into the canon. Which means Ezra is still somewhere. Yeah. So that's cool. What the hell are y'all talking about? Uh, Rebels. Rebels. And, um, oh, okay. uh, well, and no, and Rosario Dawson, which, uh, ah- 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 Ahsoka Tano, 
She yeah. said, where is Admiral mm-hmm. Thrawn? So they brought him back in during yeah. Mandalorian. Yeah. Um, like when she was fighting the, the lady with the Beskar staff. Um, Big on America. You will never find the more wretched hive of scum and villainy. Proof the deep state is real in America. The media said what? Ha ha ha! Patently false. Fake news. Your organization's terrible. This is the kind of thing that just tickles my balls. Want to have a rousing discussion about truth, honor, patriotism? The end of the Republic has never looked better. They be fighting the power, talking about social issues, politics, you know what I'm saying? Three punches! I enjoy Big Haas. And I've spoken my cigar, of course. Am I allowed to talk? No, not right now. You crazy Dutch bastard! Mikey, you're getting a bit upset here. Mikey, you can edit. My favorite podcast. Kick names, take ass. There's no going back. You've changed things forever. Get in trouble. Good trouble. Necessary trouble. Now you see that evil will always triumph because good is dumb. Big on America. What is it? The fifties? The poodle skirts and, yeah, and the women have dinner on the table by five o'clock. And their yeah, husband comes to the door like and they give them martinis. Be like, yeah, 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 yeah. Go so give me my slippers, woman. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. makes my nipples itch. Is that what it is? <laughs> my nipples fucking itches all the time. <laughs> I've been two for years. I made fun of her for this. My nipples don't itch when I smoke. <laughs> but neither do mine, dude. <laughs> Fucking weird. It's it's all bullshit. Because the whole world is a gutter. Thegutterpodcast.com. Subscribe now. You've heard others. But nothing could prepare you for the shameful stupidity that is the Jock and Nerd Podcast. Here, Imran. So if you offend everyone at once, it all it's a wash. I've covered everybody. Anthony. Sorry, I was texting. Say that again. And Rug Boy. Yeah, whenever there's a snowstorm, my slack hole tightens up. As they talk over one another. Just exactly uh, the same Connor as Jay was the Terminator. We're talking over each other. It's fine. Sorry. Swear. I had boobies. And ask you for money. Just give us the money. The Jock and Nerd Podcast. It can't be silly, goofy fun. Uh, Jock and Nerd. Hey, come back. Big on America.